Hello. Hey, Nathan. What's up? Uh, not much. I'm glad we've only just started and we already have a name for this episode. The Lazy Sunday episode. The Lazy Sunday episode. This is a Sunday where we're late. I mean, the episode where we're lazy on Sunday. Tell you what, breaking news. Well, not really. A couple days old now. I love this quote from uh, from Canon. In order to recover from our late entry into the mirrorless camera market, oh. we have plans to launch a model that incorporates a newly developed image sensor and image processing engine that offer even more advanced features. We will look to raise our presence in the mirrorless camera category, leveraging large trade exhibitions around the world, even amid increasing competition. Okay. I, trade exhibitions, like, I just don't see that as being a big deal anymore. Like, who actually even goes to those that matters? Well, it, it only matters. I mean, it matters for the industry. I suppose. That's yeah. where everybody get things get shown off, I guess. I've never been to one. Yeah, neither, neither have I. Uh, so we've got two... Has anyone ever been to one? Two solid rumors coming. Okay, if you had to choose between a Canon EOS R mirrorless 5, so EOS R5 with R5. a four, 45 megapixels full frame IBIS stabilization, 12 frames per second slash 20 frames per second, 8K, 4K, blah, blah, blah. Oh my gosh, with a rumored announcement date of February 13th. That's no, like no, no. next week. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be announced February announced. 13th, yeah. but released in July. Yeah. That is, that's what I've heard. That's amazing. Okay. Versus an R6, which is 20 megapixels, uh, IBIS, 12 frames per second, 4K. I'm telling you right now, I would get the R5. Well, R5, of course. I wonder why they're calling the R5, which is like better in specs, the R5 versus the R6. That just seems like the higher number would be better. <laughs> I think they're doing the whole 5D, 6D thing. <sighs> I don't know, I suppose. Anyway, yeah. I, I prefer uh, I'm still not, Nikon's naming conventions. I've never understood. More. The only tech company I've ever followed naming convention closely is Apple stuff, and seeing how they their naming convention is a complete cluster of it's silliness. Total cluster. It's silly. Like, I'm convinced that no company has like a consistent, logical naming convention where you could sit down and understand it without it needing to be explained to you, uh, which is a problem. But You know uh, what? I No, I, I, I'll give you one group one thing that does naming conventions quite well graphic cards and that's the um united states military in terms of airplanes so the f-14 is the fighter you know 14 the a-10 is the attack aircraft uh fa means fighter and attack b means bomber like it just yeah. It just kind of makes sense. Oh, that is lovely. I love that. Yes, that's what we need. I mean, okay. So I guess they went with R for US R. Why do they choose R? Something uh, mirrorless related must be. They did. Let's see. Well, there was the the five five D. What does EOS even stand for? Wait, but hold on, because. They're doing the D after the five, but now they're doing the R before the five. So meaning of EOS, 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 EOS. Uh, I'm uh, not getting extra, any. Extra. Um, oh, electro-optical system. Electro-optical system. Okay. So that makes sense. At least it's got like a technical term for the technology being implemented in the camera called eos but it's an autofocus single ling- single lens reflex camera so i guess they just it's a reflex camera r s l and then they're just taking r like the reflex i suppose that's the shutter reflex that um, that's referring to i don't know i don't i don't know i mean i know uh, 
DSLR stands for. Like that makes that makes sense logically and technically, but. Uh, EOS cameras term for both film and digital SLRs. Canon introduced EOS name, which stands for electro optics, and when it went to autofocusing for their SLRs. So it's more autofocus related. Uh, it's very oh. strange. Huh. Okay, well, I'm assuming the D is is digital. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it used to be an SLR, and then they called it a DSLR. So that must must have only been like a, yeah, a digital denotation. Okay, well, they already had the EOS M. Uh, so they couldn't do What's mirrorless with M. Uh, okay, yeah. I guess, but they could have, maybe, I don't know. Was M for micro? Is that a crop sensor? I, it might be micro. Yeah. Or it might... So R, maybe because mirrorless has a bunch of R's in the word, they're just like, yeah, let's just go with R. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Googling what does the M stand for on Canon cameras in all caps in hopes that, uh, that- maybe shooting modes explain what M, A, V, T, V, P, and B really mean. You know what we should do is one day sit down and just like learn about Boolean expressions in Google search because Google search supports like Boolean operators like and Uh, or not and and not. Yeah, Uh, they're they're more like uh, and or not. Not if, not if then. If then is a different uh, sort of thing. But uh, you can also use parentheses to like further refine your search. It's, it's really, really cool. I remember learning about it in programming, but it's kind of escaped me. Uh, there are five Boolean operators anyway. Uh, so, okay. I, I gave you my, my choice flat out R five all the yeah, way. R five. R five. Yeah. The 20. Yeah. So people, every freaking time I look at a comment thread without what? a doubt, oh, okay. people are like, uh, God, I can't imagine 45 megapixels. Be, it's be so slow to edit from. It's like, Jesus Christ, just get mm. your smart previews built. Yes, it will smart slow things previews. down on import and rendering, but you That's get home, it. you pop it in your computer, You're you done. go to sleep, it's done. You know, all smart previews are it. the same size. It's not a relative size based on your original no. starting point. I can edit my 100 megapixel phase one files just as fast can, and snippety I as... I could exit... Anything. I could edit a 1,000 megapixel yeah. image in like five seconds. It's very annoying to see that. It just is, it, to me, it speaks of a fundamental misunderstanding of what is possible in Lightroom, which I see constantly. And I, and I just wish, you know what? I might make a landing page that just in big, bold letters <laughs> spells out. Just and every time I see one of those comments, yes. like, <laughs> just link to that random page. I actually click, found... Click, um, click. I use a website called Iconosquare for social media uh, analytics tracking. It's mm-hmm. it's really just beautifully presented depth to your analytics. It's a great service. I highly recommend it. But they just launched something called OmniLink to compete with something like Linktree, which is... Oh, okay. You have Linktree, right? I have Linktree. Yeah. Most people probably are aware of what it is. If, if you're not, Linktree is basically kind of like a landing page where it just came about mostly as an Instagram profile solution where so many people would have to change the link in their profile based on what they were currently trying to send people to Linktree is the one link you put there and then within that you can have like a bunch of branches of other links that are nicely presented almost like a landing page well uh iconosquare has launched something called OmniLink Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is basically a landing page or a link tree or whatever you want like you can build these beautiful just simple buttons with text so you could just say website portfolio blah 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 but then you can also add video and you can add uh images and it it can all be presented really tidy and nice yeah it's just like a a 
more of a, a landing page so that you could technically oh, that's cool. throw anywhere. And I've been thinking for a long time, like, man, you know, I like, I it like would be nice to have a, a, landing, a landing page. page. Like I love my website, like but pages. my website is different and has a different purpose than like my Patreon or a link to our podcast episodes on, on Apple music or, or on Apple mm-hmm. podcasts or something like I, I want, if somebody wants to get to know me, I want to have like a landing page that funnels them to the appropriate destination based on sort of what they're looking at instead of what I used to think was I should funnel them to my website and then that should shoot them to where they need to be workshops, wedding clients, whatever. But right, I don't, then you'd have to create a landing page on for my your website, own website, which is just silly. Like why not just use one of these more simple, refined things that give you now what's cool about OmniLink and one of my pain points with Linktree is that because it's built on Iconosquare software, they give you great analytical data on mm-hmm. the actions taken on your little landing page that you build with them. Linktree, as far as I can tell, all you can do is click into a particular link that you've set up and then see like the last seven days worth of stats, uh, right. which is not that helpful because you're constantly changing your links up. If you delete one, all that data goes away. Sometimes you want to see trends longer than a week. Like it, it's uh, again, it's great for like five, six bucks a month and they have nice little touches. Yeah. Uh, like you can, you know, make buttons shake or emphasize them with uh, various degrees of subtlety, but this is great. Now the trade off with OmniLink is because it is much more advanced. It requires a bit more uh, of a design consideration, which I have zero of. Like I wish I could hire somebody to just, just take, 30 minutes and design my OmniLink landing page to look great, like color coordinated (laughs) and, you know, pictures emphasized in the right spots and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just going to take some work to get it looking nice because it it does have so many different options, but it's cool though. OmniLink. They just launched, I think it's just in beta for pro users of Iconosquare right now. Um, so cool. we, we've jumped all over the place already. We've gone from okay. Boolean expressions to Canon EOS right, R5. Gonna, and We're going to bring it back. The letter M in EOS M stands for mobility. Oh, my God. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's so dumb. <laughs> mobility. mobility. That's, yes, because it's uh, a mini version of the EOS 650. Now, if you told me mini, I would have been like, meh, cliche, but fine. I, I can see it. But mobility, mobility. is just silly. Like, they're all so very just, mobile. Toss that puppy right in your pocket, and, and, and then go you're on to the next thing. Putting yourself in the competitive, like the optics of mobile, which I think most people's brain would go to a phone, and you're not getting any more mobile than that for a camera. Like that's just a silly, silly thing. But whatever. Oh, whatever. oh, oh! Mystery solved. Canon reveals what the R in Canon EOS R really means, and it is clickbait hold on uh, you, clickbait you've gone down the hole oh my god clickbait it is give me one second have you ever clicked on any of those like oh, sp- I found spammy it. sponsored ads that are on like in website embeds like you will not believe macy's deals for sunday uh, sometimes dark i get spots, I, do this yes, immediately sometimes i grab those you yeah. click this uh-huh, These sometimes. luxury cruises might make you never come home. <laughs> yeah. If it's if it's clickbait about like Star Wars or something, I might click it. Uh-huh. Okay. We have developed the concept of reimagine optical excellence <laughs> and decided to use R for both product name and system name. Um reimagined. Uh, that is stupid. Oh man. Oh, reimagined. Man. Reimagined, I, I guess. I prefer them choosing things that have like a technical 
Because what happens when they do it again? Like re- reimagine? Like what when they when whatever's the after mirrorless, right? <laughs> like people are gonna be like the unimagined. The Canon Railroad. Oh no, what it what what it should have been is gone with the movie naming conventions and called it the Canon EOS R two five D. You know, they really just need to accept the fact that photographers buying cameras exist within certain genres. They need a sport and S camera for sports. They need yep. a, a W uh, yep. for wedding. That would be awesome. And a P for portrait. And yep. you know, what S else do you for need? Studio. No, S- wait, we yeah, yeah. So we got studio. So you could do uh, ST. Yeah. ST maybe. No, Por- no portrait no, no, no. could cover the studio stuff. Portrait. Maybe. Portrait. I don't know, but you know, and then, then you could, also start to you need like four columns of categories whatever four are the most popular and then you start tweaking those sensors really hypersensitive to that exact genre that would be sick i'm telling you man just like if you had swappable sensors like uh, modular sensors in in a single camera body if you had this like clear defined uh column of of stuff people would start picking up like oh well here's my portrait camera for the portrait here's my wedding camera for you know portraits here's my sports camera for like yeah i mean people would have more of a reason to buy multiple cameras uh yeah they would okay or at least a clearer reason let's talk sensor sizes um for a for portraits, let, let's go. Let's let's work from the top down. Portraits, we need a hundred megapixel camera. Give me give me a hundred megapixels. Yeah, the more the better. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I agree. Um, let's do um, for weddings. I don't know something in like the forty fifty yeah, range might be kind of nice because you have some portraits, you have some uh, sports. Like yeah, give give you something forty five fifty, and then for sports uh, or photojournalism for sports twenty thirty. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking twenty. 20 yeah some sports photographers though like they if you have your image like blown way up but no you need that speed so i would say i would say 30 max yeah and then yeah other sports stuff is more in the commercial you could do c for commercial that that would that would cover any of the studio stuff so c for commercial s for sports p for portrait i think i don't think w for wedding would make sense i think you could p for portrait and then wedding photographers would have to choose between going the portrait camera or the sports camera or one of each yeah but yeah but why not make a a a wedding camera hell make the damn thing um i don't think the uh industry is big enough to to literally define like you know this is the thing i've been wondering recently how many wedding photographers serious wedding photographers that are solidly part-time part-time where they make a decent living from it and full-time are there like i'm i'm legitimately like is it somewhere in like the million number i don't think it is i think it might be closer to like a hundred thousand in the u.s and somebody somebody explained to me why all these inquiries keep going to other people then. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'd love to know the stats on that. <laughs> um it would be amazing to know how many wedding photographers there are. Yes. It period. Yeah. Agreed. In the country and the world. Yeah. I would love to get get a a pulse. How many that. wedding let's it's lazy Sunday. Anything goes. <laughs> Anything how goes. Many wedding photographers are there in the United States. <laughs> oh my God! I mean, I have I have an answer. Oh my gosh! What do we got? In professional weddings, clickbait again. In professional wedding photographers, we recommend two. Uh, two, 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 two. 
uh 21 weddings per year average there are okay i like that two thousand two million four hundred weddings annually okay. really makes sense that's cool too. An event and every wedding uses service as a professional wedding photographer. The estimation for the number of, number of working wedding photographers would be one hundred and fourteen thousand. Told you. Oh, I was so close. I said a hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. That actually, it does make sense when you really sit down and start to think about it, but it is a little disheartening because if you ever want to break out of the, like, as a photographer, if you want to break out of your genre of weddings, uh, yeah, you got to do it quick. Like, it doesn't take long before you've saturated everybody in that market. 100,000 people, that's like, in the world of social media and the internet, that's nothing. That's that's true. That's nothing. It just, it goes to show you that there's... Um there is money to be made in wedding photography. That's the other thing. A lot of people. Yeah. A hundred thousand. Is this, are these, these must be us numbers. These are, this is the only in the United okay, States. So there's probably, you know, half a million worldwide, but you're, you're looking at a hundred thousand pros versus a yearly need of 200 plus million. But I bet you, you know, let's go with less than 20% of that have like a, a serious budget and consideration for, right for let's, an expensive... let's say yeah let's 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 be generous well let's say 1 million weddings so that's that's 1.4 million weddings are being done kind of whatever in terms of wedding photography so 1 million weddings visible um, by 100,000 i mean that's 10 to 1 but i, I think it the number is even lower than that like everybody is you know when you i browse a lot of subreddits of uh, actual brides just like mm. wedding dress related reddits and stuff like that just to like i just fell into it one day i was like this might be kind of fun to follow just to see like an actual client's process outside of the wedding photography portion of the wedding and people are shocked at spending three grand you know 2500 for a wedding photographer they just like it's crazy well like it's too much yeah 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 and um i think that's the over that's the majority of people's reaction. Now I'm not saying there's not substantial numbers of people that expect and are willing and are happy to pay, you know, four or five, 6,000, but the, the vast majority of people expect, you know, a couple grand at the most, they just don't yeah. get it. And, um, that's fine. But I, I'm thinking like maybe half a million weddings in the U S have like a good, healthy budget for photography personally. And so mm -hmm. that's still five to one. Like that should yeah. still leave, you know, and maybe the model of, of what I see a lot of people going for now, you know, you, you develop a presence in your industry and then you hire some associates and then take a percentage off the top. Uh, maybe that really works because you know, That's for true. every one wedding you take, you've got four left over that you can shuffle down to your associates. And that's an interesting business model. So, um, the article goes on to say, um, by doing some sort of, yeah, calculations, we believe 100,000 is an is a reasonable estimate for the number of wedding photographers uh, in the U.S. as a combination of average number of weddings per year and number of weddings that actually hire a wedding photographer seems reasonable. Yeah. So, you know, of those weddings, some don't even hire wedding photographers yeah, at all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a small number, but, you know, just take that into consideration as well. I don't know. I That's actually, yeah, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty cool to know, I feel like, to, you know, there's, there is a real need for, for good wedding photographers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really fascinating. Um, I don't even um, want to touch the Nikon naming conventions. Let me think. Canon 
what what else is there? Oh, the Rebel series. Why is it called Rebel? Rebel. Yeah, that's a great question. Rebel name refers to the revolutionary from film to digital photography. Uh, well, they should so have called it like Revel. Revolutionary. <laughs> Revel. Canon Revel. And it, it could have the double meaning of reveling in your photos. Oh, God. That's why. So Rebel is, you know, and that was my first um, yeah, that was a- first. actual so has Nikon ca- professional ever, camera I don't think that Nikon's I ever had like a, like a word just in the, uh, like the oldest Nikon I remember was the D 50 that I owned D 50. Yeah. They, they've never no, had like but, a Nikon extreme or something. Right. No, but they do have prosumer naming conventions. Don't they? Don't they? Wait, power. Well, they've got the power shot. Oh, okay. no, wait, well, is that Canon? Yeah, that's Canon. Uh, Canon power shot. But no. there is something like Ugh. that in the Nikon world. It's, it's too much to keep up with really. Well, you know what? Doesn't matter because I'm over Nikon. No offense. No offense. Anyway, uh, I spent like a, a large portion of last night taking a deep dive down the YouTube universe of YouTube like photographers. Um, okay. Just because it's fascinating to me, like how this whole thing cropped up, and it's and it's blowing my mind, honestly, how this like industry of people getting millions of views reviewing the same goddamn lenses and bags and stuff that everybody else is reviewing. Now I can, I can respect like a person's unique and individual opinion about, you know, a new camera or lens or a bag. But the problem that I see with all of these reviewers that come out with these really well-produced slick, awesome videos is that they don't actually use them for any client work. Have I complained about this before? I feel like I must have. <laughs> I feel like you've complained about this um, for like as long as I've known you. It's just, it's crazy to me that these people continue to get hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views off the exact same insights and just surface level explanation in a really well-packaged, polished, produced video. But like, what is it actually doing for you in terms of knowledge and giving you like a, a well-certified judgment? Like it, it's not doing anything. It's, uh, it's, it's getting, well, it's blowing my mind, honestly, that it still seems to be growing exponentially. The numbers of people kind of getting like YouTube famous and really well known for this stuff, not actually putting out any or very little photographic content. It's, it's just well, crazy. Again, I got be, sucked into it. That might be the key that might, you might've just answered your own question that they don't offer anything new. Therefore the people that watch it can have a sort of sense of like comfort going into it being like, you know what? He's going to tell me something that. I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. It's... Versus somebody who actually takes the time to, you know, sit down and review and not just not just review it, but literally use the equipment for like a week or two to actually get a useful explanation out of it. I think that that is uh, something you've always tried to do. Yes. Yeah, totally. But it, it's it sort of reminds me of all the you know every time smartphone or new laptops any popular tech product is released and you see the the score you know you've got a one through ten score and it's like what is that actually telling you like what is the 10 like what's the 10 what is the 10 what what would be 10 exactly nothing ever is and uh, maybe maybe having that lofty goal there just 
encourages people to keep shooting for it. It's just, it, it leads, there's, there's so much weird subjective uh, opinion that you can literally just say anything you want. It's getting really, I, I, See, I just don't I, understand why, the type of people that sit down and watch these kinds of things. Cause I never, never have other than when I'm like fascinated by the, the sheer number of views on something or the number of interactions and comments. It's like, ooh, why, how, right. <laughs> Uh, if I if I need to know something extremely specific about it, like exactly. what kind of mount does it have, or like yes. is what does the, but even even stuff like what does the bokeh look like, like you're not a hundred percent guaranteed that they're even going to show you real images. Uh, they're you're not guaranteed that they're going to do anything. I don't know. Anyway, it, it, here's the thing too. Like I'm looking at an MK uh, BHD review of the. 16-inch MacBook Pro. And I'm sure he's got lots of little insights and stuff to, as to what he's actually saying. But this video is just tons of him talking at the camera. That's totally fine. Cool. And then the rest of it is just tons of beauty shots of the actual product. And I've always Which, kind of wondered, nothing. like, what's what's the point of those? Like, the you know what it looks like from Apple. Like, why are we filling this thing in with... Mm-hmm. It, it, like, it, it's providing no meaningful information essentially, which is just the problem. And it's just seems like a complete waste of resources and time to have a bunch of B roll of him using a computer. <laughs> it just is so weird to me. Speaking of ratings, I've always ascribed to the four star rating system as being the perfect system because it allows you to get, you know, you can have the half stars in there, four stars. That's rev- that's you can get there. But it's going to take you making a movie like Fury Road in order to hit that four-star yeah. moment. Right. Um, I still think everything should be one, two, or three-star. Like four I, star. I still think there's too much in the middle no, there. It's either fourth, it's I bad. That fourth star. It's bad. It's been fine enough, or it's great, and I can recommend it. Yes, no, uh, then like. What about half stars? No, no half stars. God, no No half stars. No, it's one, two or three. And there's no zero stars either. Well, no, there should be zero stars. So I I take that back. There there should be zero stars. No stars. I'm telling you, three star rating is is the only thing that's ever made sense in my brain. Okay. And literally nothing implements it because there's no, there's no room for controversy there. It's like, uh, you know, if you had a news company that uh, wasn't ad supported, like it would be the most, most boring news place ever. Uh, you need like five stars or one through 10 ratings so that people have a, a gray area to argue. <laughs> it's, that's true. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you yeah, have one, two or three, the three stars doesn't do anything for anybody. No, uh, um, well, I mean, it does, but it's in not terms of, controversial. In terms of- controversy yes exactly okay, well actually let's go ahead here let's let's do some quick ratings we'll 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 start easy we'll start with movies okay um uh let's see uh interstellar quick ratings three okay uh fury road three okay um the room two two it's no, fine not, but not, not you know. room the, the room the one with the woman and her daughter trapped in a room with that's room oh what's the room i don't know the room is like famously considered the worst movie i've ever I'll oh yeah two because i literally i've seen it and i forgot about it so it's a fine movie watchable but it's not like amazing okay um rise of skywalker three three okay um Phantom Menace. I don't know. I'm, Phantom I'm Menace, one. Out. Like, yeah, it won. Okay, Canon EOS R. Three. 
Three. See, you're giving threes to everything. You're handing threes out like candy. Well, it's amazing. Boom. It's what I use. It's my workhorse full time. Go. Boom. I mean, it's not the, It's not a perfect camera, but it's, it's Nikon a three. Nikon D5. Three. You're killing me here. You're, <laughs> all you're doing is giving me threes. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> it's basically yes this is great i'd recommend it it was fine i wouldn't remember it or one was like there were some serious problems zero oh, i wouldn't dude. recommend like, we need four stars okay because clearly uh, i'm wrong way... because there's nothing that i've ever seen that exists that has this three-star rating other than like what is it uh um restaurants yeah, the restaurants tommy's have three stars? tommy's famous shrimp yeah yeah <laughs> restaurant or whatever three stars anyway it's fine it's what it is i just it just tickles me to to see when you break these types of like famous youtubers or any type of tech website down to the core of what they're saying it's just a flashy showy version of what the product is is already been explained to be generally by apple or whoever the manufacturer is and uh, and that's it and there's just somebody talking about it from the perspective of like themselves which helps very few people yeah anyway it's uh but with photography in particular it's it just tickles me because people are literally saying nothing now i will say i love youtube for like oh how do i do speed ramping in video boom here's a three minute tutorial on that exact task that you need to know or like how do i you know edit something in a certain way color wise or whatever like boom here's your five minute tutorial exactly how to do that step by step like that kind of content amazing but those don't tend to get the millions of views as these splashy like nothing videos about products nothing. or whatever yeah. about nothing yeah okay i'm i'm going through some more uh lazy sunday content here okay at some point in time dogs could have been taught to retrieve firewood and we wouldn't know but that's why some dogs are obsessed ah, with collecting and playing with sticks i like this wait are you are we doing the lazy sunday reddit scroll? this is my this is my reddit this is my lazy sunday reddit scroll i like it shower thought Noah must have really trusted those two termites that were on the ark. Ha, 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 ha. So, so <laughs> uh, here's one from Hello Internet uh, that's not interesting, except it made me realize, I don't know if you've listened to this podcast yet, even though I've talked about it many times in a row. Uh, mm-hmm. They have had an ongoing discussion back and forth about uh, internal monologue. And somebody wrote, okay. uh, I think, a Medium post, some blog post that kind of went a little bit viral about it, not relating to Hello Internet, but I almost would guarantee that they were inspired by it as a discussion. Okay. Do you have an internal monologue in your head? When you, for example, read something, do you hear it in your head as somebody's, like your own or somebody else's voice saying it back to you? Or do you are you able to read it without that? Like literally hearing that voice in your head at whatever speed or sound that it's making, but... Uh, is that a question to me? Yes, yes. Yes, yes. I hear it in my I own voice or whatever voice I choose. I do too. People uh, exist that don't and that can't. Now, I've heard, and this is actually something that I learned from Abby, uh, but speed readers, because Abby is a like insanely fast reader, and she says the key to fast reading is not hearing your own voice in your head, just reading. That is actually incredibly difficult if you're um if you are not the type of person that has been trained that way or started yeah. reading like that. Yeah. Um so I read pretty slow. I, I think I, I read a lot, but I pre read pretty slow. I think I remember uh my friend Tucker t- he was 
taking a speed reading lesson and they would actually, I think it was actually sound effects Mm -hmm. where you would, uh, or you would look at something that wasn't words to start with that would Mm -hmm. literally, by the time you got to the end of the sound or by the time this thing moved uh, across the swing, you would create essentially like a consistent rhythm with how you sweep across the, uh, the words Mm -hmm. to, to the point where like you were catching every third word or whatever in a consistent kind of rhythm and speed that you could then piece together. I always found that to to read through something quickly was to understand the general way that people structure like a paragraph Mm -hmm. or an article. Like there is a formula to how most things are written and you can like chunk out, just knife out like 60% of it and still be fine with the core content of what they're saying. You might lose some of the detail, but the point will you'll get. And when you can, figure that out as long as you're reading a decently written article, you know, with normal sort of conventions of how it's structured, you can plow through that thing quickly. Once you've, mm-hmm. once you've practiced that awareness enough, that's, yeah. that's the only, and anyway, I think speed readers technically do a combination of that. And, and, and then, like I said, this like weird kind of rhythmic sweeping across the page, but it's unfortunate. I've always wondered why we haven't been able to develop a way to read left to right and then right to left and then left to right and then right to left. That would be cool. Yeah. You know, in, um, yeah. in in I think it's, is it Chinese or Japanese that you, maybe it's both where you, you read it I think, backwards. I think you just and, read it right to left. Do you, do oh, you do okay. the both ways? I, you could be right. I, and I'm sure I it exists. That, that, yeah. I believe that in Japan you're reading, you actually physically read books backwards as well. Hmm. At least in, uh, I know that I've never actually read one of these, uh, animes, but apparently like a, like an anime comic book, from Japan is written physically backwards. So you start where, you know, in America we would we would start in, in the front page. They would start at what we would call the back page and read backwards. Sure. It's weird. Yeah. Can I be honest with you? Sure. I, I'm not a uh, conspiracy theorist. I'm not a doomsday prepper. I'm not any of those things. But sitting uh, just in the room beside me, I've got about four pounds of rice. Um. 40, 40, uh, N95 air filtering masks and a uh, bunch of canned goods. <laughs> well, if, if the coronavirus gets to Baltimore, we are screwed. <laughs> it, we're talking immediate, instant no. chaos. We've got Johns riding. Hopkins. 100%. We've got so many great. Yeah, I think that's that where would it's going to start. Yeah. In fact, no. There are coronavirus. Uh, I, I, aren't, aren't there some here in? So there, I believe that there, the virus itself is in labs at uh, Johns Hopkins, right down the road. We've uh, got the virus, but nobody's infected. In fact, nobody even in Maryland or even close to us. The closest one is Boston, and then next, second closest is Toronto. That's like I could throw a rock to Boston That's from true. here. But they've got them quarantined. I'm sure. The, the scary thing about this virus is going to be the next week, week and a half, where uh, before it was really ramped up and taken seriously. Apparently, this thing can like lay dormant, or you know, it's got an incubation of 14 mm-hmm. days where somebody could be spreading it without any symptoms at all. So that's the scary part. But we're looking at 14,628 confirmed cases, 305 deaths, 348 recoveries. So I'm looking wow. at a map okay. uh, made by Johns Hopkins. Really fantastic, right down the road from us. And uh, yeah, it's a really nice visual of everything china is completely screwed and what i really think i, I really believe that the chinese numbers are vastly underreported they're, they're they, saying they could be 14,451 
in China. Don't you I, get I, I it, could, Sam? Easily see there it. is no China left. <laughs> I know. I could see it being double that. Uh, it's crazy. But I will say, man, it's been great to see how other, how quickly other countries control their borders and, and really stepped up to like a speedy response. China seemed to do that originally uh, to some degree, uh, not necessarily with their social. Oh, wow. We got somebody here. Where are we looking? Canary Islands. They got one. Oh, man. Poor. Canary Islands. Man, that's Canary that's Islands. Anyway, I, I guess there's been a lot of conjecture about how China has responded. Uh, apparently, they did a really good work behind the scenes, like uh, in the labs, like getting samples to all these various different places that could help them. But in their social response, they were a bit late. Uh, although now, taking, some would say, vastly inappropriate and overreaching uh, extremes to try and quarantine like millions, tens of millions of peoples in these cities where they literally can't leave their house for weeks. But, you know, maybe that's what needs to be done. Uh, I fear for America if we were ever, if something was this infectious and spreading in, in the U.S., I don't know that Americans would listen to a quarantine <laughs> or it wouldn't lead to some no, sort of we, violence. We need guns. our freedoms. Uh, exactly. Like, I'm just wondering how that would play out here. And I'm thankful that it didn't originate here. And then yeah. everybody that is here with it, all eight people, uh, seem to be, you know, they got Again, locked. I would, uh, yeah, Baltimore is, is going to fall first. Out of all of the you American cities, I don't know, man. I feel like chaos. I feel like Baltimore is its own little bubble on the East Coast. The Inner Harbor would be. There's just not many people coming and going out of Baltimore. Looting. The people here are just here. Versus something like DC, which like everybody in the world is like traversing through real quick just to see it, and it's like you that's know, true. That's that's not happening as much in Baltimore. Or give it New York, right? You've got like. I bet there's like 16 coronaviruses all over the uh, freaking Natural History Museum right now. But uh, it just popped up in my Reddit feed. I'm following a bunch of coronavirus uh, kind of Reddit discussions. And so Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, are you a fan of Kobe? Hold on. Before we get to that, Philippines reports first death outside of China in coronavirus outbreak. Oh, okay. Somebody died in the Philippines. Coronavirus. Uh, So... Wait yes. Till it hits uh, India. Hmm. Uh, oh God. Yes. Uh, R.I.P. Kobe Bryant. Uh, really tragic story. It's crazy. Yeah, I started. I took a deep dive on as much detail and like eyewitness accounts and interviews as I possibly could, just because it's like, wow, another helicopter death. So many people have died in helicopters. I mean, they really have. Yeah, I'm as a former slash whatever pilot. I have never wanted to get behind the controls of a helicopter. I just never wanted to do it. Apparently it's not common at all for them to be very proficient in flying from instruments only. Like it's a very visual way of flying. Like technically you have to be able to do it, but it happens so rarely that they, uh, aren't good at it is what I, I was seeing in a couple of Reddit threads of, uh, you know, supposed pilots that were chiming in and like, yeah, when they're stuck in the situation of complete whiteout or whatever you call it, not only are they extremely susceptible to, there's a technical term for it, but when you get completely disoriented as to what's up and down and left and right, vertigo, no, it's something else. Uh, it's like vertigo, but there's an actual like pilot term for it. Uh, I won't remember because it was a little bit weird. Uh, Let's see. That's what I've always, I've always heard it referred to us, but helicopter in fog spatial disorientation yeah i mean it's something along those lines and uh not only is that really balance disorder really uh easy 
to, I guess, be overwhelmed by and succumb to. It seems strange to me. Like, how difficult are, like, the basic life lines of controls, right? You have altitude, so, you have, like, your, your horizon line, and then, like... Okay, so when I was doing IFR training, which means instrument flight readiness, okay. instrument flight, basically it just means that you're, you're in, oh, in, instrument flight rating. Uh, IFR is the term you, in order to get IFR certified, you, you know, you have to basically have a number of, of hours. Uh, I think it's like a hundred hours or 200 hours or something flying, completely relying, looking only at your controls, um, right. throughout the entire duration of the flight takeoff, uh, flying and landing. What you learn in those situations is you learn to not trust your head and your ears right. and your uh, yeah, in your eyes, you have to only trust your instruments and, um, it can be really, really difficult when you're not turning at all. Like for what, what will happen a lot of times when I was doing my IFR stuff is I would turn, I would do like a little, you know, 30 degree turn, do like a little, you know, 180 degree, just turn around. And then when you level off, just looking at your instruments, you still feel like you're turning. It's really uh, weird. Cool. Your instruments are saying that you are a hundred percent level and your inner ear is like, I am spinning around in circles and you have to not trust that. And it's so hard flying. I mean, now I, I, I don't know if we, did we, ta- I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but uh, I think it was like a year ago or something like that or more. Um, there was this really tragic story of a, of a wedding photographer and a bride. Oh gosh, don't even, yeah. With the video going the whole time with the video going the whole time, that one crashed and everybody died. And, um, pregnant photographer selfie video of her and the bride and groom, the pilot and the video is just going. And then within what, 20 seconds, uh, you see a camera rolling on the grass and it it was less than that. It was like five seconds. It was crazy. Uh, but it was, you don't see really anything. You just kind of see it spinning, and then. Well, how is it that modern helicopters don't have just like a? Whoop! I've 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 I'm spatially disoriented. Autopilot, and then it just like automatically levels off and goes up, or something. Like how is that not a, a button? <laughs> I feel uh, like it is in every video. I game don't know that. that <laughs> yeah. Well, in in the one of, in the <laughs> Brazil world. wedding photographer thing, they they hit a tree. Um, uh, but they were in fog. Yeah. So they thought they were in he had confidence that he was doing fine and he just wasn't. So he didn't even know that he should be, uh, careful. Right. Or, and now in the Kobe, I, I still, I still don't know too much. My, my brother-in-law is a pilot and he was basically saying like, you know, him and his buddies were talking about what could have happened after listening to all of the, the flight recorder or whatever. But I mean, the only thing that he can think of is that, or, or that they were sort of all saying was that, weather was not supposed to be good and the pilot decided to fly yeah apparently like emergency and police and all the other sort of official airplanes and helicopter i don't know official aviation stuff had been grounded for the for for weather so yeah and it was already and you're allowed to take off against against recommendations depending on this i mean if it's like a government like red alert no one flies then no fly then then that's that's something else but sure. if it's weather you can fly um as long as uh you know you have the certifications or whatever so he decided to do it and unfortunately um didn't make it yeah 
Yeah, I never followed basketball much, but it's. I was shocked that Kobe Bryant was only like 41 or something. I thought he was yeah. older than that. Yeah. Crazy. Well, it was really creepy, uh, if you want to call it that. It was his like last tweet to LeBron James. What was it? He said something about like short and sweet, basically acknowledging uh, Kobe, uh, like two nights uh, before the helicopter crash or a night before something, LeBron James surpassed Kobe as uh, in all-time scores. So, um, and Kobe, his last tweet was to LeBron James saying, let's, let's see. Let me just get it right. Okay. Much respect, my brother. Uh, with like an emoji of some kind. Um, oh, wait, wait. Continuing to move the game forward, King James. Much respect, my brother. With like the uh, strong, whoop, strong arm uh, emoji. It. And uh, yeah, and then he freaking died the next morning. It's crazy. That's crazy. Crazy. I mean, I think it's you know it's a game. Kobe is a. Uh, well, it's their lives. Yeah, you know? it's their lives. Yeah, that's true. But uh, at the same time, I think respect. Like he 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 saw. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, crazy, crazy times. This has been an insane January. Just it really has news. Crazy. Yeah, it really has. Okay. So just, just really quickly, uh, again, sort of lazy Sunday perusing here, uh, on, uh, the music subreddit, the used blue and yellow has just come up. Do you remember the used, the band these? Of course. Yes. Oh man, those were some those are some dark times in my life. <laughs> well, Ryan Muirhead, who's a good friend of mine, uh, has photographed them many times. I think he's had a couple of their album covers and would oh, say yeah, would right. say the same thing. He I never got into the used in a way that I would have ever like actually I sat down and, and read their lyrics. I loved the songs, but I never like cared about what they were saying because in general I just don't listen to music from the perspective of the lyrics very often. And yeah, I guess they're, uh, I, I always thought they were sort of just run of the mill emo type stuff, but it, it, it's pretty dark. Are they, are they pretty depressed or are they just like, yeah, it, they were just, yeah, very, um, very, yeah. Depressed. That's what I would call it. Um, edge of tomorrow. Uh, one out of three stars go three. <laughs> yeah. Three. That movie is awesome. It is. Maybe there should just be two stars. Like yes, no, or zero. <laughs> no, again, this is just proving to me. There's so many three stars here. We need that fourth star. Edge of Tomorrow doesn't get four stars. <sighs> okay. I'll give it three. That's fair, but I can't give it that fourth star. I guess what's, is, what I'm what I'm picking better. up on is like if I like it at all and would watch it again or something, I would give it a three. But three really needs to be reserved for like up there with the all-time best right two though doesn't feel good enough for a it solid feel movie good enough. yeah that's yeah. why you need that you need the three star to say actually i really loved this yeah uh i didn't i don't think it was the greatest thing ever made but i love it so three when you have something like when you're you know when somebody throws at you the dark knight what are you going to do with that <laughs> You can't, I feel like you if we keep talking, like we'll three. slowly get to like, well, actually, you need six stars, and then we're, we're right up at ten in a second. <laughs> it's ten, that's how, and that, and that, <laughs> like, yeah, three, 30 years from now, oh, why not one through a hundred? I mean, as really? The, as the beginning of when they came up with the 1,000 star system. <laughs> where I um, mean, Rotten Tomato operates zero to 100. I wonder what, what made them choose that. It's fascinating. Well, there's percentage. 
because it's percent. percentage. Well, I know, but, but but what made them choose that versus just like one through ten, and then just going like nine point six out of ten? Like, I um, think the goal for Rotten Tomatoes was to try to destroy movies, and so that's yeah. why they came up with this system where <laughs> they would put something on the internet and have people throw Rotten Tomatoes at it until it got a low enough score to where people didn't watch it anymore. And eventually all movies would become obsolete because nobody liked them anymore because everyone was fighting about them. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I don't read Rotten Tomatoes. You can't, you do know it's owned by Warner brothers since 2011. What? They li- yes. Oh my God. I hated them before. But, now so I hate them even since more. Since January, 2010, Rotten Tomatoes what? has been owned by Flickster, which was oh, in turn acquired by Warner brothers in 2011. That's bull crap. <laughs> Oh, that wait a second. Cr- wait a second. In 2016, no. Rotten Tomatoes and its parent site, Flickster, were sold to Comcast. Oh. Comcast Fandango. So Fandango owns all of them under Comcast. Oh, whilst that's, that's... Warner Brothers retained a minority stake in the merged entities. Oh, my gosh. This is... Okay. Well, you know, there's... We don't... We're not going to necessarily go down this particular road. There's a lot going on that is extremely wrong with America right now. But one of those things is gigantic corporations owning absolutely everything. Yes. Okay? Absolutely everything. Comcast, they own everything. Yeah. It's everything in entertainment. Everything. Everything that you know and love is probably owned by one of you know three or four different mega corporations and you just have to get used to it nothing's going to change well, aside from netflix that's why they're so exciting netflix uh hulu's owned by a bunch of weird things uh what is it netflix apple of course and then hbo is its own well no hbo must be owned by something who is netflix owned by Nobody. They trade on the stock market as their own company. Anyway, all right. We, we're almost an hour into this. That was a great Lazy Sunday episode. I'm excited. Metacritic. You ever use Metacritic for... That's reasons? just another thing that I don't want to use. I don't know if it's owned by anybody, though. Owner. CBS. 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 Boom. Netflix is a member of the MPA. Ah. Yeah, okay. It's okay. CBS is owned by Viacom. Oh, my yep. gosh. <laughs> and Viacom also is owned by some, right is Vi- Viacom's its own that's like the national head. amusements Ugh, I feel like we we're going down a rabbit hole yeah, we're, we're going, going down, down a rabbit hole okay we're, we're spiraling right, let's guys. go to the gym I'll let's see you go later. to the gym bye